this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Paul is saying this, that you can boast in a lot of things, but your boast is worthless unless your first boast is in the cross of Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, Paul clearly states this because there was agony involved in the cross. There was a, there was a pain that was felt by Jesus and you were a part of it. Every person on the planet was a part of nailing him to the cross. Now, Paul has so many things we can read in the epistles and we can get excited about all the doctrine. And for all of you that love doctrine, you can just go through and you can find it. The pre-existence of Christ. The virgin birth of Christ. The teachings of Christ. Many teachings, many people on the earth even today say that he was the best teacher to ever walk the earth. You can talk about the miracles that he did, the signs and wonders, all the testimonies of what Jesus did when he was on the earth. Paul could talk about the resurrection of Christ, one of the most unique things to ever happen on the planet. He could talk about the second coming of Christ because the Bible says he's coming back. But Paul says, all of those have to take a back seat because I must boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. We are here on Good Friday. We are here to celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ. We know that Sunday would not happen if it wasn't for the cross of Jesus Christ. Now many will debate the dates and the times and all that. I'm not here to get you focused on that tonight. I'm here to get you focused on the one who paid your pain. The one who paid your pain. You see, so many, so many people around the world, they, they go to the jewelry store and they buy the cross pendant and they don't even know what that really means. But we do. And by the end of tonight, you'll know the significance of the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, it's the central theme in all of Christianity. You can look from Genesis toward Revelation and you must look through the cross you can look from Revelation back to Genesis and you must look through the cross. You see, the cross is the defining factor of your life. Now, one of the most interesting things as I read through all the different parts of, of the crucifixion message for this weekend, I just couldn't help but wonder how many people were at the cross and missed its significance. If they were there in person, he told them what was coming. He knew all of this was going to happen and he prepared them for it and they still missed it. How much more intently you and I must focus on the cross. You see, we don't boast in just the cross experience. We boast in the king who bore our pain. We can never understand the Bible. You can't understand the Old Testament. How many of you have read the Old Testament and some things are just confusing? Well, the cross is the lens that, that makes the Old Testament come alive because every loss, every trial, every tribulation, every, every death part of the Old Testament is a picture of Jesus. 
dying for our sins. And you can't understand the New Testament, you can't understand the epistles unless you understand the cross. You see, we have gone through generations and generations, and oftentimes we'll see a a generation point back to the cross, and we call it revival. When we are supposed to be looking to the cross every day. The very heart of everything that we believe is in the cross. Have you looked at the cross lately? Have you looked at what happened there lately? We're going to take communion later, and every time we take communion, it points us to the cross. The wine is his blood shed for us. The bread, his body broken for us. We do it every month here at the summit. You do it at home every day, hopefully. It points you and keeps you connected to the cross. We have redemption through the cross. I love that as you look at the epistles and and we go past Acts and all the things that we're supposed to be doing, and it says, there is redemption through his blood. We are reconciled to God through the death of his son. He is a propitiation for our sin. He is the lamb that was slain. All the way through the Bible, we see the cross if we're looking for it. You see, the Bible teaches of the death of Christ. It teaches the death of Christ for you and I. You see, the death of Christ has so much significance because it was voluntary. No man took Jesus' life. The Romans didn't take Jesus' life. The Israelites didn't take Jesus' life. He said, I lay my life down. The cross is the lens that we have to see life through. All the way through Jesus' life, from the birth to his resurrection, all of it was seen through the cross. He knew when he came on the, on the scene, there was a shadow of a cross in his future. He knew whenever he was risen from the dead that he had conquered what the cross identified. Jesus Christ was not killed. You see, all the media, everybody's going to say that this weekend. No, he wasn't killed. He laid his life down willingly. And it says, for the joy that was set before him, that's you. He endured the suffering of the cross. Now, we can pictorialize it and we can look at this cross. But we have to understand that those nails would never have went in him and the sword never in his side if it wasn't for our sin. You see, every time I look at the cross, I see the sin of man. We must have been pretty bad as human beings. Sin must be very dirty and ugly and nasty for a man to be hung on a cross. I find it interesting that the carpenter, as he grew up, laid down his carpentry to go into ministry and then was hung on the thing that he knew how to craft, that he knew how to mold. And he must have approved of the cross because he could have changed it. You see, the Bible teaches that we're all sinners. We're all sinners, and and we tout that we're saved by grace, and I believe that 100%, but sometimes I think that there's so much grace that we forget that every single hit on the nail was because of our sin. The Bible teaches that we're sinners. 
And we all had a part in this cross. If you've gotten away from understanding the cross in the way that you had a part in it, then tonight we're going to go back to the cross. You see, if you've ever broken a Ten Commandment, that's sin. If you ever didn't obey the Great Commission, that's sin. If you didn't live up to the calling of the Sermon on the Mount, that's sin. If you went against what the Word of God says about your life, that's sin. Every single sin put the nails in Him. You see, the Bible clearly declares that man sinned and there was a cost. You know, in this era when you can get on your phone and order food from 20 minutes away and have it delivered to you with a $5 fee and you can have everything instantly, you forget the value of the people at the place because you don't think about the person that cooked the food anymore. You think about the person that delivered it to you. In this day and age, we have a society that is so looking at the symbol of the cross that they miss the importance of the cross. We may be too far away from the source to see the impact that we had on the cross. As a sinner, we're doomed. As a sinner, we're doomed because we are eternally separated from the king from Jesus, from the person who has the answer to everything. In sin, you are separated. And in this sin, you can see the penalty that he paid for you. You see, the Bible says, but Christ, the Son of God, says, I will die in their place. The weight of this service, the weight of this hour, the weight of what this really means so that we can celebrate is often pushed through. We were discussing, maybe we would just have a worship night tonight. Maybe we'd just come in and worship and and do that and the Lord said, no, 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 no. Tonight is a night about the price that I paid for you so that you could celebrate on Sunday. And that's why we're here tonight. Jesus said this about you. I will take their judgment. I will take their pain. I will take their sickness. I will take their disease. I will take every sin in all of eternity upon my body on the tree so that they can have freedom to walk. Now, we've been in a series called Stand. And I've been just so thrilled to hear everything that everyone has been speaking. We've had so many people sharing such great things. But I was going back there and watching all the videos. And they all point to the cross. They all point in some way to Jesus taking the pain, the sickness, the disease. And maybe it was a story of one person who touched him. But it was the epitome of the cross that paid the way for them. So to continue this stand series, would you join me in examining some people who had the choice to stand? You see, the cross that we hold so dear demands a stand. It demands you to stand in one way or the other. I take you to Caiaphas, the high priest. You see, 
The sin of Caiaphas was that he was self-seeking. He was self-seeking. He was the high priest, and he was so full of himself that Jesus couldn't even get in there. He was so proud and filled with pride that there was no room for Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, 6 6-8, that we crucify him again afresh when we sin. For those who believe. You crucify him again and again and again and again and again. And we see Caiaphas had a choice to stand. And his pride got in the way. You see, pride keeps more people from the kingdom of God than any single sin. And it stops many from taking a stand at all. There was another key person in the story that I'm not going to read it to you. You can read it in every gospel. It's there. The sin of Pilate was he was a coward. He was a coward. He was fearing what people would say about him. And he didn't allow Jesus the words. He was a coward. You see, I think it's interesting that his choice was, do I send him to the cross to be crucified or do I believe what people have said and what he is identifying himself as? And because he worried that if he didn't send him to the cross, what people would think, he didn't stand. You see, there's many people that see Jesus, even right now, they see Jesus in a different way than they've ever seen him before. And it's their choice to stand. Pilate had a choice to stand. Caiaphas had a choice to stand. And they didn't take that choice. Why? You ask yourself, why would they not stand? Well, Pilate didn't stand because he was afraid. He was a coward. And we have many people in the world today that hear Jesus, hear the story of him and him crucified. And they don't stand. They don't take it to heart. They don't change who they are. Because they're cowards. They're so worried about what it will cost them in their job. They're worried about what it will cost them in their career and in their life. Maybe their marriage. They're so concerned about what everyone else is going to say when they say that they believe in Jesus. They won't take a stand for him. The next is the sin of Herod. Herod was living a life of impurity and he had a choice to stand because John the Baptist called out his impurity. John the Baptist said, this is wrong. And Jesus even talked about it. And he had a choice. You see, he was living with his brother's wife and we don't want to get into all that story, but he was called out for his moral position. And he didn't stand. Now, you may find yourself in one of those stories today. Maybe sometime in your life, because of pride, you didn't stand. Maybe because of impure lifestyle, you didn't stand. Maybe because of cowardice, you didn't stand. I'm telling you today that the cross demands a stand. You can't know the cross. You can't know the purpose of the cross. You can't know the price of the cross without choosing whether you stand or whether you don't. Now, we've all had the choice because we've all heard 
the story. What have you chosen today? The Bible demands a stand. I am very concerned about the state of our world today. I'm concerned that the church has lost the purpose of the cross, the power of the cross, the understanding of the cross. And so when the world becomes hard to be in as a believer, they lose the power of the cross. One day, if we stand, we will stand before him and worship and sing. And if we don't stand on this earth, we will one day stand before him and be judged. When the cross is before you, you can't see around it. When the cross is before you, you can't maneuver around it to see something else. Your choice is to stand and understand what the cross really means, what part you've played in it, and what part Jesus played in it, or you can walk away. But you can't go around it because the cross is in your way. I'm humbled to know that Jesus gave up his rightful place in heaven to come to this earth to die for me. And he came to this earth to die for you. You see, because of sin, we were captive. Because of sin, we were boxed in. And I love the song that we were singing Roll the stone away. I'm coming out. This is going to be a brand new day. All that stuff that we're singing, right? The stone was rolled away so that you could have freedom, but it was rolled away because there was a man who took your sin and nailed it to a tree. This is very interesting. When you look at the Bible, you will see that one-third of Matthew, one-third of Mark, one-quarter of Luke... And half of John are given to the death of Christ. That, those are significant parts for all you math whizzes. They're significant parts of Scripture are all given to the death of Christ. There is significance in how he died. But I, I'm here to tell you that the cross is the center of our faith. There are many sermons that are going to be preached about the cross. There are many worship songs that have never been written that will be written about the cross. It is the anchor for your faith. Because everything that you toil in every single day, everything that you struggle with, everything that you think is invading your life, that thing that you feel has a hold of you and you can't let it go, it was all handled on the cross. When we release all of that struggle to Him, his burden becomes light for us. 
I go back to my point from earlier. If all of the people watching the crucifixion understood what it really meant, they probably would have acted differently. If the church today understood the cross and what it really meant, we would act differently. The religious leaders of the day, at that site, at that moment, they were saying things like, he saved others, but he can't save himself. Many who walked by passed insults. They didn't even care. Come down off the cross if you're the son of God. And then the soldiers, casting lots for his clothes, beneath him as he hung on the tree for them. For them. We were talking in our, in our house about the Satan shoes that you all know about, you've seen, right? And then uh, Mickey's dad posted a post and she read it to me and it was so powerful that there's so much being made in the religious community and I say religious community because it's not the kingdom community about how horrible that is. We know that sin is sin and we know that people are gonna do it all the time. We get that and we don't ridicule that but that Jesus died and hung on that tree for that man and everyone that associates with him. And it's our job as believers to be the hands and feet of Christ to love that person, not to ridicule them, not to come out and, and bash them. You may say, but it's a symbol and it's a shoe. It is, I get it. But if we're not willing to love them, We've missed the cross. Because he wasn't willing to let anyone perish. And yet we, in our towers, feel like we should ridicule the world. And that's why we don't have a voice anymore. I want to take you into the lives of three people tonight. Three people that you know, three people that you've heard of, three people that were at the cross. And I want to talk to you about their view of Jesus. This sermon has been burning in me for a while. And I thank you, Mickey, for choosing Mary Magdalene last week. Because she is a central figure of the cross. Her name is mentioned in Luke 8, a woman possessed by seven demons. Jesus took care of all that for her, right? Cast them all out. She was living in pain and bondage, and maybe you are today too. Maybe it's the bondage of life. Satan was at work in her, seeking to destroy her. She was sick and hopeless. And I would even say helpless until she met Jesus. You see, the world is sick and hopeless and helpless, and they're all searching for truth. That's our call, everybody. Our call is to be the answer because he is the answer and he resides in us. Not to cast them down and ridicule them, but to love them. But then Jesus came into her life radically changed her life. We've been praying that people that step onto this campus would have irreversible life change. 
that they would be radically transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what she had when she met Jesus. You see, she was delivered from the demons. Her bondage was broke off. The sin that she was in was gone just by meeting Jesus. She became faithful follower of him, even a funder of him, because she was changed in his presence. Throughout the suffering of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, we see her name over and over and over in Scripture. She was close to Jesus during the last hours of his life. Why? So many stood at the cross and missed it, but Mary didn't because she'd met him. She met him. She was looking up to the person who healed her, delivered her, set her free, and changed her life. She was looking at her Savior, the one who took all the bondage of Satan and sin and turmoil and stress and removed it from her, for she was forever changed. She was looking at the one who she knew. She knew a lot of things about Jesus. She knew that he would stop and listen to anyone. That he would spend time with people that the rest of the world wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole and he would talk to them and he would give them all that he had. She knew that about him. She knew that the man that paused his life to rescue her was hanging on a tree. She knew all of this and she was there in that moment. When you look at the cross, do you see that? For your life. Do you see that for your life? Do you know the Jesus that's on the tree? And more importantly, does he know you? Because he did that for you before you ever sinned, before the foundation of the world. When the resurrected Lord appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts 26, says this, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sin. That is one of the best verses because I can see Mary saying, that was me. That was me. He did that for me. But it costs them. To remove her pain, to remove her sorrow, to remove the demons, it costs something. Actually, it cost everything. Standing there at the cross, looking up, Mary finally knew the price of what she had been freed from. I want you to journey with me today that Mary is sitting there weeping at the feet of the cross, at the foot of the cross, looking up at Jesus. She sees her Savior, her one, 
the one who she had followed, the one that she had fell in love with, to, to just, I'm so enthralled that the king of kings is here and he touched me. And she sees the agony on his face. And she realizes, that's my agony. That's my pain. You see, Jesus had to die that Mary might be redeemed and freed from the bondage of sin and Satan. No wonder she loved him so much. No wonder she was there in a time when everyone around that was with Jesus had gone. There were a few that stood. Do you see the cross this way tonight? Do you see your sin on the cross? Do you see a relationship with the one who freed you on the cross? Because if you don't see it tonight, he's done everything that he will ever do is done. It is your choice to receive it. He's not going to go back up on the cross for you tomorrow. It's over. He said, it is finished. So the things that we walk around with that bring turmoil to our lives, that keep us confined into the, the demonic presence in our realm, he's done all he's going to do for that. So when you look at the cross, are there things that you can point to that Jesus took for you? I know I can and I know some of you can. But the goal of every believer is that every single person on the planet would know and be able to experience the cross and see exactly what he did for them. If your focus is to get people wealthy because you're praying for them and believing for things, go ahead. But Paul said, we preach Christ and him crucified. If you're, if you're walking around trying to build people's faith, good for you. But you know what? Build their faith in the cross and Jesus crucified. If you're walking around trying to make people feel good about life, take them to the cross. And they'll ultimately feel good about life. She was the first one to reach the tomb where Jesus was. She was the first to realize that the tomb was empty. She was the one standing outside the tomb crying and the first one to see the resurrected Lord, the first one to hear his voice again. Can you hear him? Tonight we look up to the cross and we are looking at the one who has the power to change every life. Only Jesus can deliver you from whatever you brought in with you tonight. It's only him. No great counselor. I'm not against counseling, but there's nothing that can beat Jesus. When he comes into your life, he wrecks you a little bit or a lot. And he rearranges your furniture and then he says, and I am going to be number one, if you'll allow me. You see, Mary allowed Jesus to be number one. Are you allowing him to be number one? Or is your job more important? Or is the paycheck more important? She experienced everything 
and she put her trust in Jesus. The one thing I love about Mary is that when she looked up to him, she knew, she knew because she had encountered him that he had the power to change everyone's life. She knew it inside of her. With everything in her, she knew that he had the power to do for everyone else what he had done for her. Do you know him? The second person tonight is another Mary, probably a more significant one because without her, we wouldn't have had Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, Mary was Jesus' earthly mother. And I'm sure that you've read the scripture and you've sort of attached yourself, ladies, to what it would have been like to have the Savior of the world. But that day at Calvary, she watched the son, her son, die on a cross. Yet she knew it was God's will. She understood that. She still watched it. She still was there. She heard the cries. She saw the pain. I want you to think she didn't even understand when the Holy Spirit came upon her what it was going to be and she went through with it. The virgin birth, the raising, the, the traveling, taking him places to protect him. Thousands, I don't know how many, lots and lots of kids were murdered because of her son. She lived through all that agony, all that pain. She lived through all of it, and she actually sang a song in Luke 146. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For now, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary knew that this day would come when she would be sitting watching the Savior of the world, her son, hanging on a tree. And yet she stood. What has God asked you to do? And are you standing? As she stood at the foot of the cross, she knew that she was one of God's favored ones. How do we know that? How do we know that when Mary, the mother of Jesus, is looking up at the cross, she's standing there gazing at her son, how do we know that she was one of the favored ones? It says, Jesus saw her and her compassion, and he had compassion on her, and he assured her of his love for her. It is so amazing that the words of Simeon are actually coming forth in her view. And Jesus, from the cross, spoke to her. Jesus, from the cross, speaks to you. 
He speaks to you in his blood that was shed for your sin. He speaks to you in the way that you receive information because he doesn't want to get wires crossed. He wants to be sure and true that you understand what he did for you. John 19, 26 and 27 says this. You see, I lo- John, John's just a, a cool guy. He always writes about himself. Pretty, pretty great, you know. The, the one that Jesus loved, right? Okay, so Jesus remembered her even in his most anguishing moment. He remembered Mary, his mother. And he said this, Dear woman, here is your son. John was there as well. Here is your son. And to John he said, Here is your mother. Jesus felt from the cross. Think about the pain that he was going through on the cross and he felt her pain. We put Jesus on a cross and we wear the cross and we think about our pain. And sometimes when it gets really bad, we think about the pain that we've caused him. But what we don't understand is that he's on the cross. He was on the cross in that moment thinking about your pain, having compassion for you. We can walk around this world in such a a flimsy way that we don't remember that while he was in agony, your face was going before him. Your sickness, your disease, your pain was in him. And he cared for you. So what was that interaction? He said, John, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. You guys are going to take care. You're going to take care of her. You're going to minister to her. You're going you're to take away this pain through relationship. Jesus wants to take away your pain through relationship. Not by giving you to someone else, but by taking you to himself. Jesus provided his mother. Even in her sadness and in her burden, he provided her the thing that she needed. Now, every time that we pull out the cross, every time that we look at the cross, which isn't one time a year, it should be every day, that every time we look at the cross, we have to understand that he cares for us. You see, Jesus could have been consumed in himself and neglected her need, but he didn't. And that is the heart of God. If you ever wanted a picture of the heart of the Father, you can look at the Son in his most anguishing moment, and he's not thinking about himself, he's thinking about everyone else. That's the Father's love. Jesus had nothing. He didn't have his clothes, they took them. He didn't have his disciples, they ran away. He had nothing. But he cared for his mother to say, here's someone who will care for you. I ask you these questions tonight. Do you feel ignored? Do you feel ignored? The Lord cares for you. 
in the hustle and bustle of life and the stress of everything going on, when you feel like you can fade into the background, I want you to remember this picture. The Roman soldiers bantering around, gambling, drinking, doing all the stuff that they were doing, all the people walking by and yelling up at him, and in the background is his mother. The one who gave birth to him supernaturally, all of that stuff that we've talked about, she's in the background. She's weeping for what she's watching. And he cared for her. Wherever you are today, whatever you're going through, whether you're in the front of the line or the back of the line, he sees you. Your needs are always before him, even on the cross. Sometimes God removes one comfort from us and he raises up others. And sometimes we aren't even aware of how he's moving around us but he cares for us. Jesus knows your trials. The scripture teaches us that if we suffer, we shall also reign with him, 2 Timothy 2.12. So as you look at the cross tonight, look up. He still cares for you and he will provide for you. Do you need comfort? He's all comfort. Do you need hope? He's all hope. Go to him today. Don't wait. Waiting complicates the thing because it allows more nastiness to attach to you like barnacles on a boat. And you don't go through life smoothly. You get bounced and turned and all the different things because you've allowed things to attach to you. I'm here to tell you that the Lord wants to remove all of that tonight before you leave this place. Lay it at the foot of the cross. He sees you. The third person. Now, I have tremendous respect for this person. John, the beloved disciple, as he would say it, John is at the cross. I want you to get the gravity of this. All the other disciples have ran away because they're fearing for their lives. John is there beside Mary and Mary. Even though he knows the consequence, he had to stand. Why? Why would he stand? I believe it was because he experienced such great a love from Jesus. That, that even in the, the fun stuff that we laugh about where he's called the beloved and he makes, it, makes himself out to be that, that's all, that's all fine. But he encountered a love with Jesus that he hadn't had with anyone else. And he felt that he had to be there because that's what love does. Of all the disciples, he was the only one mentioned in scripture at the foot of the cross. That's what love does. Love takes you places you really don't want to be. Love gives you grace to stand. And love empowers you to be a voice in the darkness. I believe it might be a little more than just love. I believe it was a responsibility. There's a responsibility when you look at the cross to stand. 
And I believe John did that. Earlier on in the story, when Jesus was in the garden and the soldiers came, the disciples ran, but John came back. I believe that the next revival, you're going to start to see it. It's happening already, but you're going to start to see it in this region, and it's going to be sons coming home. I believe that they ran, they got out of there, they wanted to save their own lives, there was nothing more important than themselves. And in that moment, John said, nope, I have to go back. It's a responsibility. We may stray from Jesus, we may walk away from all that he's done for us, we may roam away from who he is, but the internal desire should be to walk through the hard things and to do what we're responsible to do. He knew he had to stand for the one who believed in him. Now, you maybe have had the worst life being raised by, by people that just don't understand how life works. And they just, they just, you did what you had to do to get by. And now you're an adult and you're walking around the earth. You're trying to figure this whole deal out. You're living through the hardships of life without a true north. That's the cross. The cross will always bring you back to your responsibility. The cross will always bring you back. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've been with. It doesn't matter any of that. The cross will bring you back if you're willing to look at it. And you're willing to look at it for what it really is. Not a piece of wood. But a man who paid a price. Where else can we go? You can't go to anyone else on the earth. You might be able to go to a counselor and, and feel some ease for a moment. But when you go to the cross, you leave the cross completely restored. It was not the safest thing to do. It was probably, in our earthly terms, the stupidest thing to do. To be standing there. But it was the right thing to do. God is going to call you to stand in places that are not easy. He's going to call you to stand in places that will test your internal fortitude. It will test your belief in him. It will test everything that you are. But he cares for you. 1 John 2, 2 says, this is Jesus, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. That's why John came back to the cross, because it wasn't about him anymore. For so long, the gospel has been made about you. And I remember one of the lines that wrecked me for years was that whenever you come to the cross, it's about you, but when you leave the cross, it becomes about everyone else. That switch takes place when we understand the gravity of the cross. When it's just a symbol we wear around our neck or the thing on top of a building, it's not transferable. 
But when it is a true conversion of our heart and our soul and everything that is within us to understand that that price was paid for me, I can't not tell people. I have to tell people. I have to introduce them to the cross. John was not only given forgiveness of sin, John was given a responsibility. Here is my mother, you will take care of her. Now, each of you have a responsibility. Each of you have been given a responsibility from Jesus. Number one, to get yourself figured out by going to him. And then to take that figured out one and start to go and tell other people how they can figure out themselves. And it's not because you're the wisest person in the room. It's because you're connected to the one that knows everything about them. We were talking a a few months ago about this one-on-one discipleship that we're doing and things that are ramping up at the summit. And I'm so excited because... I keep getting these, an- these questions and they want me to answer them about, well, what do I do in this situation? I don't know. But I know the one who does. And if you just spend enough time with him, you'll know the answer to the question. It's not about what Pastor Rob will tell you or Pastor Phyllis or Pastor Caitlin or the other 10 pastors we got going on around here. It's not about what we'll tell you It's about the one who hung on a tree for you. He has every answer, and he's given you a responsibility. Are you prepared to hear his call? John could have been blubbering. He could have been just messed up. But he heard Jesus say, this is my mother. This is your son. Take care of her. I can't even imagine how he would have had to listen intently to hear that in the agony and the games and all the stuff going on how intently he would have had to listen to hear Jesus' voice but he heard it Jesus said this in John twenty twenty one: as my father has sent me even so send I you You are the representation of Jesus to everyone around you in this room and everywhere else. You want to see revival? Understand the cross. You want to see transformation in your marriage? Understand the cross. You want to get rid of that addiction? Understand the cross. If we stand by the cross and accept everything that Jesus did for us, And we can quantify it because you can go back. The enemy brings it up to you every day. He brings it back before you every day to hopefully you're going to pick it back up. So we can easily quantify what that means to us if we're willing to expose that to him. When you look at the cross, will you be close enough to hear his voice? When you look at the cross, will you understand the call that he delegated to you as a believer? 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. Our job is to be a connection agent to the King of Kings. Our job is to be a connection agent to the cross. 
The cross, that means everything when most people look to the tomb. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. I ask you tonight, are you looking up at the cross like Mary Magdalene? Who knew who he was because he changed who she was. Are you looking at the cross like Mary? Are you looking at the cross like Mary, the mother of Jesus? Are you looking at the cross tonight because you knew him and you cared for him and he cared for you? Are you looking at the cross as John looked at the cross? Your master. Who has put a calling on you to change the world. How do you look at the cross? How do you look at the cross? You can set your whole calendar up to look at the empty tomb. And I believe it is the greatest thing. We celebrate his resurrection every week. But if we miss this part, we miss his love for us. So are you like Mary Magdalene? Are you like Mary the mother? Are you like John? Or maybe tonight, you're like Caiaphas, self-seeking, trying to please your flesh, leaving no room for Jesus to get in no matter what it costs. You realize they all saw the cross. They all saw it. And they realized in that moment their consequence of their choice. Are you like Pilate? A coward. Not making choices to follow Jesus because of what it might look like to the world. You won't take a bold stand for anything. Not even the things that don't have to do with Jesus because you're so worried about what the world's going to say about you. The word calls that a coward. It's time for Christians to grow up, leave the cowardice behind, and stand for what we're called to stand for, and that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Are you like Herod this evening, living a life of impurity? You can't even find your way out. Sacrificing the gain of Christ for pleasure. How do you see the cross? What do you see in the cross? Is it your place, your anchor to your soul? Or is it just an icon? Think of this with me. In spite of the fact that we are all sinners, in spite of the fact that we denied him, in spite of the fact that we are crucifying him afresh every time we do this, in spite of the fact that we've done things against him, in spite of the fact that we've wandered away and rebelled against God, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In spite of everything that you want to hold up as your anchor, 
If your anchor is not in the cross and him crucified on that cross, then your anchor will move. I remember last year was the first time we've actually owned a boat. Probably not the best thing, but um, anyway, we, we, we went out and, and we anchored down and the winds blew and we were moved. And we were anchored, but we were moved. We were anchored into the wrong things and I say tonight, in spite of the fact that your anchor may be on the wrong thing, if you believe in him and understand his love, you can be transformed, just like the people we talked about. Deuteronomy 7, 8 says, because the Lord loves you. Deuteronomy 23, 5, nevertheless, the Lord your God will not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you. Because the Lord your God loves you. Psalm 146, 8, the Lord loves the righteous. Isaiah 38, 17, indeed it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. But you having, have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. Malachi 1, 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. John 16, 27, for the Father himself loves you. Ephesians 2, 4, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved you, even when you were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. The cross is not meant for us to look at and hold up to forever but it is for us to understand the price that was paid so that we could live a life free of the cross. You see, the statement about him, us crucifying him over and over is saying, listen, I know that he took the spot, but I'm going to bear that burden. There are so many people that have, have accepted the Lord, have walked for 30 years or 40 years or 10 years or three months, and they haven't given everything at the cross. And so they're carrying that burden. Tonight is your night of freedom. If you've never heard this word before about the cross, may you take one thing tonight. The people of this world may not love you, but God loves you. The cares of this world may overpower you, but God cares for you. He sees you. And we know that because when we look at the cross, he poured out everything he had for you. The cross demands a stand. It demands it every time it's held up. The cross demands a choice. The cross demands loyalty. How do you see the cross? How do you see the cross? If I can have the team come up right now. You see, we have the choice to stand with Jesus or to die alone. We have the choice to stand with the price that was paid on the cross or to bear the burden ourselves. Would you stand tonight?
One of the last songs that they sang in pre-service talked about the veil that was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died. There are so many things that have separated us in the last year. Not only times of worship and six feet away from each other at the grocery store, whatever. The separation is over because in the cross, there was a bridge made for you. In the cross, there was a, a bridge made that takes away the separation that the enemy wants to put on you. So in this moment, I would be remiss to present the gospel and not ask for a response because the cross demands a stand. So this isn't about whether you received Christ when you were five or whether you received him when you were 40. See, the cross, it never stops. The blood that Jesus shed for you is continually wet on the mercy seat to cover your sin that you did today and that you do tomorrow and that you do again because we're, we've all sinned and fallen short of the bar. But thank goodness the bar was paid for us. So would you take a moment, would you just bow your head with me? For those of you watching online, I just ask, would you take a moment and just settle yourself? I know how watching online can be. The, the dog runs by, the things happen. But I want you to focus right now because God wants to introduce you to his son. Jesus came to this earth. He bore everything. In Isaiah 52, verse 14, actually I'm going to go above that. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than any of the sons of men. When Jesus was on the cross, you couldn't even tell that he was human. And I couldn't, re I couldn't reconcile that in my mind until I realized that every sickness, every disease, everything that was ever on the planet or ever will be on the planet was put on him. And that included your baggage. That included the thing that you carry around. It was on him. I can think of some horrible diseases that I've watched just ravage people. And it changed the way they looked. It changed the way they sounded. It changed who they were. And all of that from every person, from every part of sin was put upon Jesus. And it says he did it with joy. Lord, I thank you right now that you bore everything for us. I thank you that you cared for me. I thank you that you cared for every person on the planet tonight. But Lord, most of all, I, I am so excited that today we get to renew we get to renew our walk. We get to renew our commitment and we get to stand. Because every time truth is brought forth, we have a choice. We can be like Caiaphas or Pilate or Herod and we can shrink back from our destiny or we can stand. 
and see exactly who you've called us to be. So I'm going to take a moment. If you've never stood for Jesus, if you've never allowed him to be the king of your life, the Lord of your life, I don't care who you are. If you don't respond because you're worried about what other people think, we've already categorized what that is. I just ask you tonight, if you haven't ever said, Lord, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, or maybe you've said you want him to be Lord of your life, but every action since you've said that has been questioned, then I'm here to tell you that he is here for you tonight. And it will take a stand. It's not going to be easy. I'm not just going to say, would you raise your hand in the back of the room? No. If that is you tonight and you're in the room, you need to come forward right now. Praise you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. If you're at home tonight and you've never made him the Lord of your life, then I want you to say this with me. Lord, I... I see the cross for the first time in light of what you've done for me. There's nothing that I could do to earn that. But Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. And I want you to transform everything about me to match the value that you put on me. Lord, every time that I look down on myself, I want you to remind me how much you paid for me and be the Lord of my life. Now, if you prayed that prayer, then we believe you're born again. that's just the beginning you see there's going to be things in your life that the Lord brings back to you that the enemy tries to throw in your path and you need to go back to the cross you need to go back to the cross Father tonight I thank you I thank you for your presence in this place I thank you for who you are I thank you that you paid the price that I could never pay. And you did it with joy. Help me to endure the things of this life and bear my cross so that you can be glorified. Help me to be a witness for you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. going to take communion. I'm going to give Don one minute to walk around and see if anybody didn't grab one when they came in. No problem if you didn't. He's got more. Thank you, Lord. Remain in an attitude of worship. Do it.
meeting with his disciples and he said, he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which was broken for you. Now, I think in this moment, on this day, when we read the scripture and all the verses about the price that he paid, I think in this day more than ever, this bread and this cup mean so much. Can you imagine a person, a, a figure standing before you and you can't even recognize that they're human? That's what this means. He did not bear all of that stuff so that we could live in the muck and mire of our lives and live in a cyclical behavior away from him. He said, this is my body which was broken for you. If you are here today and your body is broken, he bore that on the cross. And he wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to take away the cravings. He wants to get rid of all that because he is enough. He is enough. So it says he blessed it. Lord, we hold before you. We hold before you this bread that represents your body. Right now, Lord, in this room and watching online, Lord, we receive this bread that represents your body broken for us. And every broken part of us, Lord, every broken part of us, we hold before you in this moment. And Lord, we stand in expectation of a touch of you to restore what is broken. Take and eat together. This is my blood that was shed for you. No greater day than when we're examining the cross, which should be every day, that we understand the value of the blood that was shed. The sin that was taken away, that was blotted out, that was moved further than the east is from the west and deeper than the deepest sea taken away from us because he cared for you. We celebrate tonight this blood that was shed for us so that we may walk in wholeness on the earth, so that we may remember what he did for us, so that we may be empowered to do what he's asked us to do. Lord, we hold the cup before you. We thank you for the blood that you shed. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for all that you did for us and all that you do for us. 
We thank you, Lord, that the blood on the mercy seat is ever wet for our sins. And we ask, Lord, for your empowerment. We plead the blood over this city, over this county, over this region, over this state, over this country, over this world that people would come to the knowledge of the cost of this blood that you shed for us on the cross. We love you. We give you all honor and glory. You're our savior, our healer, our baptizer in the Holy Spirit and our soon coming King. We celebrate and we take this together as one body in Jesus' name. Amen. Take and drink. May you never forget the cost of the cross. May you never forget the blood that was shed for you. May you never forget the, the immense responsibility that you have because of the cross. it is the center of your faith for it is the lens that we are to look through as we go throughout life for it is the lens in which we look at our past and can feel whole because he cared for us well we have something special this evening I'm not sure I hope they're ready I have to tell you, I am so excited that these waters of baptism have been troubled. That these waters are constantly in motion. Because God has some great things for some great people. And for this house, you may be seated as we go through this. Tonight, Pastor Sean is enduring the water for me. Thank you, sir. Pastor Rob owes me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> you know, tonight is a very special night because uh, this is a privilege. I don't know how many fathers have the privilege to baptize their own son. And my daughter-in-law. <laughs> you know, before we, I, we commence with a baptism or something I need to share. You know, a lot of people tonight will be watching this and maybe some of you here sitting here tonight. You're probably sitting there asking and praying to God. Lord, save my son. Save my daughter. Save my grandbabies. So tonight I want you to believe with me as I baptize my daughter-in-law and my son. I want you to believe the Lord tonight that God is going to set your children free. Now, I, I really believe when, I, when they get immersed in the water and they come up, I really believe the Lord is going to minister to you personally.
not only to you, but to them as well. And something inside of you is going to be released. And you're going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my son and my daughter or my grandbabies are going to be born again. Can we believe that tonight? Hallelujah! Something real quick I want to share. What I'm going to do tonight, this is a third generation miracle for my son. And I'm going to, real quick, <clears throat> when I was 10 years old, my father had a visitation from the Lord when I was 10 years old and he was not, had to, he was far away from God, had no, no idea about the Lord and had no interest in going to church. The Lord touched him right in our backyard all by himself when I was 10 years old. That began a miracle. The same thing happened to me years down the road. I wasn't in church. I had no desire for church. I grew up in a Christian home, but I wandered away from it. The Lord visited me and I wasn't in church. I came to church after I gave my heart to the Lord. <laughs> six months after the Lord visited me back in 19, the early 80s, six months later, my sister was touched in almost the same way, and she wasn't in church either. She came to church after she was touched by the Lord. So I, so what, why are you sharing this, Pastor? Because I believe. I'm a testimony. And the amazing thing of it is, my son has followed in, in the same pattern. If you ever hear my son's testimony, the Lord touched him. He wasn't sitting in church. Isn't that right? He was, he was, in, he was not in church, and the Lord touched him right where he was. That's the good news, people. The Lord will touch them right where they are. They don't have to be in church. The Lord can touch them in a living room. He can touch them in a crack house. He can touch them wherever it is they may be. There is no end to the mercy and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So tonight, again, please, my heart goes out to you. And I want to encourage all of you tonight, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up on your children. Don't ever give up on your grandchildren. Because the Lord has heard your cries. He's heard your prayers. And Satan... His, their grip, his grip on their life will be broken in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So the Lord has put on my heart to do this as a symbol of complete submission, of laying down everything that I am and everything that I have so that he can use it for his glory. Sabrina, <laughs> you don't know how emotional this is for me. And my wife's probably, she's a wreck already. So. <laughs> On your confession of faith and your, your dedication of your life to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
to do that for everyone out here, everyone watching, everybody. Um, even if you just need a refreshing of that, he just wants to remind you of that. Um, so over this past year, it's just been acceleration. It's just been great things. And I cannot wait to see what he has in store for um, me and us as a body and the church and everything. Um, so I just want to give him all the glory and honor. son was so right when he said no one can come face to face with the master and ever be the same again no one can ever be the same again so many dreams that God has hidden in this place in the hearts and minds of our people and we get the privilege Jen and myself she's in the nursery tonight but we get the privilege of helping you let them out and see what God wants to do around the globe because of what he did for you and that's our exciting journey here at the summit and we are so glad to have all of you join us in that would you stand tonight as you leave you can drop money with Don if you have an offering and some people may not be here Sunday but if you want to give you can drop it back there and uh, we're going to have that money on Sunday when we declare over it but Father tonight we give you praise honor and glory we thank you for all that you are we thank you for who you are to us we thank you for who you are to our lost family members we thank you for who you are to this world Lord help us to be connection agents to this world that they may know you that they may see you that they may experience the gospel of the kingdom every single day through our lives so that we can see transformation in those we love the most in Jesus name Amen. Have a great evening. We'll see you on Sunday. If you enjoyed today's message, 
I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.